Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Welcome and thank you so much for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. I am your host, Monique. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a very special guest. Her name is Dana. She is an educator, both professionally and by purpose. She is married and lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Dana calls herself a survivor of infertility after nearly a decades-long struggle. She is the author of Inconceivable, How I Turn My Pain Into Power which she hopes will be on the shelves early this fall of 2020. Dana also has a blog that touches on all things fertility from questions, lessons learned, experiences, emotions, and how to deal with all the ups and downs of roller coaster ride of fertility. You can follow Dana on Instagram and Facebook at inconceivable underscore pain to power. And you can also subscribe to her blog www.inconceivable-pain2power.com, which will be in the show notes and available for you to click and go right to those handles for social media and her blog. Thank you, Dana, so much for coming and speaking with us today about your journey with infertility and you and your husband experience. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Dana, can you tell us your initial diagnosis and how long you guys were married before you got that diagnosis? Okay, so we had been dating for about three and a half years. And when he finally proposed, oh my goodness, we knew right away that we were wanting to have children. So we actually were trying just before we got married. So we've been trying for about six months. So about three months before we got married and then three months after we got married. And then I finally was having some questions. You know, I was 31 and he was 37. And I was thinking, man, it's been a really long time. We've been trying. We haven't had any success at all. So I went to my GYN and spoke to her about some concerns. You know, like everyone else kind of does, you have that whole six-month thing Mm -hmm. if you're in your 30s or if you haven't conceived within a year you know then you should be asking questions but I'm not the type of person to wait around so I went to my GYN and spoke to her about some concerns I had one concern was that my younger sister younger by two years had been already trying to have children she was already married and she had been diagnosed with stage three and four of endometriosis Mm. And that's got me thinking. So when I went to my GYN and I mentioned that to her, she right away just said, oh, you don't have endometriosis. You don't have any of the symptoms. Well, you know, I kind of took her word for it because she's a medical professional. And then I started, when I got home after having the appointment with her, I started looking up on the internet, you know, symptoms and things like that Mm -hmm. and found a list and I had eight out of the 10 symptoms. So then I went back to her, it was probably about a month later, mentioned to her again about my concerns um, and spoke to her about the symptoms that I had, that I had found on the internet and that I had eight out of the 10. And she pulled my chart acting as if she'd never really even met me. And she was reminded of some of the things that that had had happened with her and what she had done. I had to have some biopsies and things like that. And I was just shocked. So when I left that appointment that day, 
I decided right then that I was going to go see a specialist. So shortly after, I went to see a specialist, um, an RE. Uh, so he did an ultrasound and couldn't tell directly from the ultrasound that I had endometriosis, but there were signs of it on the ultrasound. So we scheduled a laparoscopy and he went in and looked and I had stage three and four endometriosis. He removed it. And from then we decided that we would try on our own for just a little bit. I can't wait that long. So we tried for maybe one or two months and then with no success, I went back and spoke with him again and he told me about IUI. And at this point I had no idea about the world of infertility. So yeah, it was, so it went kind of quickly once I started speaking to the specialist and Mm -hmm. after I had the surgery. So we had three IUIs without um, any sort of medication. And then, you know, they, they controlled me by, um, with my ovulation. We did, they just kind of kept an eye on my follicles and then we had the trigger shot. But then the next time um, it didn't work. So we did the fourth IUI and started using injectables. And then after that, that didn't work. So then he started thinking, okay, let's go and try an IVF. So my husband and I were like, oh my gosh, the expense of all this. And, you know, this was within our first year of marriage and it was kind of rolling over into our second year of marriage. So we had never even been married without dealing with infertility. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it all just kind of snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we just celebrated recently this past September, our 10th wedding anniversary and our last procedure that we had was December 2017. Like I said, we had never been married without dealing with infertility. So we had to kind of figure out, you know, with this new life that we are having to live, how are we going to do this together? And what does our relationship look like now? Because we've already been through so much. I mean, as anyone knows, going yeah. through infertility um, I'm really surprised if you can get to the other side of it and you're still together, to be honest. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my husband and I have had conversations like that before and he, we're, we're not 40 yet, but um, I'm 36. And I mean, when we were going through it, he was telling me about couples who actually that he knew broken up mm-hmm. because of it. So yeah, you're, you're definitely spot on with that. It is amazing when couples survive their relationship. It definitely is. It really is. It's, it's so hard, so hard, all the ups and downs and people you're, you're living in a house with a person and, and you're having to deal with that personality that's different from your personality. So each person deals with pain and hurt differently. Mm-hmm. And I might take it as being hurtful the way he handles something and then vice versa. And, you know, over time, resentment's tends to to build up and it just creates such a hardship. So yeah, I agree. Being at the end of a relationship or at the end of infertility and still having a relationship, your relationship's really strong. I always tell my husband, I said, you know, we have been through everything that could rip us apart. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking we're in this for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. So you've never, have you ever been pregnant at all, Dana? Yes. So I had, I've had 11 or 12 miscarriages and I, I know I lost count. Not every time I got pregnant, was it with a fertility um, procedure? Um, I got pregnant on my own many times and okay. lost them. Kind of my track record on the whole fertility <laughs> thing is, mm-hmm. is that 
I've had three fertility related surgeries. Okay. One was two was for um, endometriosis and one was for an endometrial trauma, which I don't know if my doctor made that up, but what he really did with while he was in there making sure there was no scar tissue, he kind of fluffed up my uterine, my uterine lining to help hold on to the pregnancy. It, mm-hmm. I would get to about six weeks and lose it. I think one got a little bit further because see, when I say I think, it's because mm-hmm. um, I stopped going to the doctor. And mm-hmm. I was just like, if I can get to, you know, fill in the blank month, then I'll go to the doctor because I'm taking vitamins and everything. And that's what they're going to tell you on a normal pregnancy anyway, is, you know, stay on your vitamins and come back in however many weeks and we'll do an ultrasound or whatever. But after, you know, after so many miscarriages, I just got to the point where I was like, I just can't go to the doctor and wait for another phone call to tell me that it's not going to last. Wow. So I just, it's quick going. Yeah. And I just, I kind of giggled just then, but that's just my, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Wow. So then after, you know, with all those miscarriages, we had two foiled adoption attempts. We did eight total IVFs. And then I had half of an IVF because we had, we used a gestational carrier. I also use an egg donor. And then the, the three initial IUIs that led to the three more IUIs with injectables. And then I was on Clomid for three months in the very beginning when I was talking to my GYN. So we have been through it. You guys have tried darn near every, I guess, every avenue, every avenue yeah. that you could. Wow. Could. And did you say that you've used donor eggs? I did. Uh huh. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure yeah. I heard you right. Wow. Yeah. Wow, Dana. Woo. And you're still standing. Well, you know, it's, that's why I call myself a fertility survivor because I remember at the end of, um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. No, no, no. Take your time, dear. There's, there's no rush. There's no rush at all. There's no rush at all. That's why I like doing these podcast episodes because I, I think it's imperative that when we come together, uh, you know, hearing it out loud is, is, is one thing from writing it, I think. And I know you have your blog, you had it for a while. But to, to actually speak it out like this, it's, yeah, definitely. Take your time. Yeah, take and, your time. And speaking it out to people who actually understand is one, because um, it's like I, I can feel the emotions that you went through, too. Yeah. And I know yeah. that you know the emotions that I'm feeling yeah. now. So yeah. when I'm talking to someone who doesn't understand, mm-hmm. it really, I don't really tear up anymore. Yeah. But when I'm talking to someone who can understand, I mean, just really know what it feels mm-hmm. like, it's just so much more personal to me. Mm-hmm. But as I was saying, the um, I call myself a survivor because um, in in the end of our getting close to the end of our uh, procedure, we had decided that um, if this didn't work the very last time we had the procedure in 2017, then we were just not going to be parents. So when we finally had gotten past all of our procedures, I thought I was doing okay. You know, I was... I was getting to the point where I could go out in public again and meet new people because I'm sure like every other woman to get to the, if you've been into infertility treatments for long enough, you just decide, I just can't go out and meet new people and listen to their stories about how they're complaining mm-hmm. about their kids. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're asking me questions that I don't really want to answer because I've known them for a minute, you know, and 
So I became sort of a recluse. I just stayed in my home because I felt protected there. Yeah. And, um, but when I finally decided I just wasn't doing well, I really was a mess. And I went to speak to a family therapist that a friend of mine had recommended to me. And on our first visit, on my first visit, because I went by myself, I actually didn't tell my husband that I was mm. going to see a therapist just because I, I didn't want anyone else's opinion about what I was yeah, yeah. doing. You know, sometimes Absolutely. you just need to do something on your own. On your own, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I went and went on our first visit. I sat in that chair in front of them and he was just, you know, he wasn't judgmental or anything. He just wanted to hear why I, why I was there to see him. And I just sobbed for like 45 mm -hmm. minutes and he did not interrupt me one time, bless his heart. And um, he didn't even reach over to give me the Kleenex box. I've reached over and got the Kleenex box for myself, which you think, well, why wouldn't he do that? But really he was just letting me be, be and yeah, do yeah. what I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause for so long, everyone, it's almost like they don't want to hear what you're going through. They cut you off and, and ask other questions or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So in my head, I'm like, Oh, so you didn't want to hear that. So I won't say anything else. You know, um, yeah, it's, I've been through a day. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you oh, know gosh. what I mean? And you're just yeah. like, Oh, okay. So you don't want to hear you asked, but you don't really want to know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You so know, when, it's, okay. it, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, so when I was sitting in front of him and he just let me, you know, still my heart all over the floor after I was finished, he didn't try and hug me or, or try and make fix it or anything, which I, I didn't realize at the time, but I really needed that. I just needed mm -hmm. to just let it out. He looked at me and said, I can't believe all that you've been through because I, there's so many people who would not be sitting in that chair in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. And I swear that's just gave me, I laughed, but I laughed because I was crying, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but it was true. You know, I just rose up. I just kept finding that hope and that strength. You know, it's, um, <laughs> it is a taboo topic, unfortunately. Such a taboo. And I don't understand why it's still so taboo because to me it's not any different than say a fertile friend talking about okay we're going to start trying like i've had friends say look we're going to start trying da, 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 da. like how is that any different from the struggle of having to to conceive or not being able to conceive you know it's just such a taboo topic and my message is always to the silent sufferers out there. And I'm pretty sure you feel the same, you know, because you've been that silent sufferer yourself and, and, and having that isolation, you know, with people around you and, and everything. Um, yes. And that's why it's so important, even after whatever decision you make along your journey to still find community because, oh gosh, I, I, I could I, cry at any moment, yeah. you know, from the struggle of another sister, another warrior, another yes. brother, or just, you know, oh, whew. well, throughout our entire price process, see, Instagram wasn't around then. So we started right, right. my first surgery with the um, specialist right after I saw my GYN. Um, that was in 2010. So we started in 2000, you know, non dabbling with Clomid and stuff. But in 2010 was when we really moved forward, started, like I said, snowballing into procedure after procedure after procedure. And we were just so alone. 
I mean, we had friends and family all around us, but no one could understand. And it was like they couldn't fathom the idea that we couldn't get pregnant. You just yeah. couldn't understand it. Over time, you know, the comments became hurtful. And we decided right away that we needed to just start keeping things to ourselves. And it just had to be that way for our sanity so that we didn't get any of the unsolicited advice, yeah. you know, yeah. and to save our family and friends from that, from the emotional roller coaster that we're on. That we had to put our brave faces on. And even though we were crumbling inside, we had to pretend like there was everything, you know, everything was okay. And it was so wasn't. I'm, I'm hearing the word suppression. And yeah. so I feel like, whew, oh my God, Dana. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, for, for years, you're absolutely right. I just kept, when I was at home, let me back up just a little bit. So I taught kindergarten for um, nearly 15 years. Mm. And during all of this, it became too much because I thought it was, you know, the stress of working, all of the treatments and having to travel back and forth because we traveled to Cincinnati. We traveled to Cleveland. I've seen three different doctors in all of, in all of these years. So I couldn't keep up with work, you know, as many days I needed to take off and that sort of thing. So luckily uh, my husband makes a good living and we were able to have me stay home in all this. I was able to just be by myself during the day, which was nice because I needed to have time to cry. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That I just had to take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. Just take your time. Take your time, dear. Take your time. Mm -mm -mm. So during the day is when I, I took a lot of time to cry, um, screaming into pillows. I did that a lot. Um, I cried in the shower. I tried not to cry in front of other people because it made them so uncomfortable and I didn't want them. It's just the strangest thing. You know, you're dealing with all these emotions and you want, you want people to understand and you want hugs, but at the same time, you're like, please don't touch me. Cause if you touch me, I'm going to break down. And yes, you know, yes, you go back and forth yes. with everything. It's such a crazy time. So but fragile. Yeah. So, so fragile. fragile. So during the day is when it was nice that my husband was at work and I could kind of just get it all out. So when he came home, he has a very stressful job and um, I didn't want to add to it any more than I already had just with all the procedures and everything because it's my fault. And I know that someone's going to jump on that word fault. It's because of me that we weren't able to have kids. And I know that there's other women out there mm -hmm. it's okay, dear. who feel the same way. And that, you know, it's 2020 and our last procedure is 2017. And I carry that every day. I carry yeah. that. Um, mm -hmm. It's not a, it's a, I guess it's a guilt. Yeah. At some point I had to drop that burden and I did drop it. It just makes me so sad at thinking about what I went through. It was just so much and so sad mm -hmm. and so heartbreaking and just so unfair fair and I, I know all too well yeah about being that you know being the woman being the one having the diagnosis and feeling like you are failing as yes. a wife and as a woman and as I a mean, woman yeah what is it it just shocked me I was like wow I I'm a woman and 
I'm not even able to do the thing that my body was meant to do. Like I'm meant to procreate and I can't even do that. And I just, I used to walk around thinking that. And finally, after I got to to speak to the therapist, you know, I had lost self-worth. I felt pathetic. I felt worthless. It just, it was a horrible, horrible time. And just seeing him for a handful of times, he helped me find a new perspective. And I was able to turn it around. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, some you might think, you know, well, so do you have a happy life now? I do. My life is, is wonderful. Not without its ups and downs because yeah. my husband and I are still dealing with emotions of having to live a life that we didn't imagine. Yeah. And we, there's really no one that I know. And that's why I got back into the fertility community because even though I'm finished with my procedures, it helps me so much to mm-hmm. be able to see other women that had gone through the, that are going through the same things that I've gone through, and I can reach out and go, "Oh, honey, let me tell you, this is what you've got to do, and here's the question you need to ask. If I can just help someone feel better about themselves when their whole world is falling apart, I feel like all the stuff I went through was not in vain." Yeah. Yeah, and that's a that's an excellent point you bring up about connecting with the community, even though a certain part of your journey to motherhood has been, you know, laid to rest. So the idea came from um, the book that I wrote. So all throughout my journey, I kept very intensive, you know, I, everything intensive, very extensive notes. And almost like a, it was like a journal, but I wrote down everything, how I was feeling, um, what happened, how I was able to uh, make myself feel better. I would write down, it was before it was called words of affirmation. I was writing down words of affirmation to help mm-hmm. lift myself up. After, after about three years of dealing with all the procedures and everything, three years into the, into the near decade that we were doing infertility treatments, Mm -hmm. I decided that I'm going to write this book because I can't, I'm alone. I'm alone. I kept saying to myself, I'm alone and I don't want anyone else to be alone. I started writing the book and for about two years, three years, I wrote it every time we weren't having a procedure because I'm very, I believe a lot in energy and I didn't want to bring any negative energy into my life while I was going through a procedure or a treatment. So I wouldn't write the book because it would take me back to a time where, you know, maybe I was really, really upset or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it actually took me six years to write the book. And then when I just finished it this past November, and when I printed it out, it was just a big exhale. I couldn't believe that I finished it because about, um, about four or five years into our fertility journey, I thought, I'm not going to write this book. I can't write it. It's mm-hmm, too personal. Mm-hmm. It hurts too much. And I don't want to have to go back and relive everything all the time. I just kept hearing this voice in my head, write the book, write the book, write the book. So finally one day I was like, oh, okay, my goodness. I sat down in front of the computer again and I started writing the book and I just decided, all right, I'm going to finish this. And I finally finished it. And then after finishing it, I realized I needed to continue from where I ended in the book. The book ended in 2019. So 
November 2019 was when I printed it out and that's when my book ends. So from then on, I just decided this blog that I'm going to start is going to be what's happening now. Okay. Those people who are going through it, this is how it can be. And this is what I can tell you that I learned through it. And you are your own advocate and all the things that I learned during that journey and writing that book, because the book gave me such a perspective to the point that when I go back and reread the book, because it's in the editing processes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I go back and I'll reread it. And, and I think to myself, oh, that poor girl. And then I remember, oh, that was me. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if I can see myself having such a dramatic growth from that person that I was going through it to the person that I am now, then I can help other people get that way too. Yeah. To find that, that uh, the growth they need to be able to not completely separate themselves from their, their journey. Because after everything that I've said with you so far, I would not change a thing. I would not change a thing because the person that I was before I started all of these things, she wasn't a bad person at all. She was loving and compassionate and empathetic. But the person that I am now, I'm not judgmental. That's why I continued with the blog because there's just so much more to say, so much more I can help with. And I just think it's so funny that after you go through everything for a lot of people like yourself and like myself who found the need to serve uh, because of the pain that was experienced during our infertility journeys up to date. And I just think that's so powerful uh, and so brave to not be in the midst of active treatment, but still being vulnerable enough to connect with other people who are still in the midst of it and sharing your, your love, really. And that's what it all comes down to is, is serving people from a place of love because of your pain, you know, and not letting that pain swallow you up and, and putting you back into a shell. And so that's amazing. And I think that your blog and your book will really resonate with a lot of people. I really do. I really do. I, I've read Thank your you. blog and, I, and I, I love the way that you write it in such a personable way. And it's, and it speaks right to the person that's reading it. And I felt that way when I was reading it. Um, even though I'm not in any active cycles anymore or anything like that. So I think that your work is going to, it's going to speak for itself and you won't have to do much, but just allow yourself to be the loving person that you are to others. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That is, that's really one of the things that I learned, you know, it just doesn't matter the situation or the circumstance really, because pain is pain and suffering is surf- suffering and loss is loss. And we can all relate to that. And, and, and it helps us connect, you know, across state lines, you know, across oceans and, 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 and just finding community and then finding healing as well. So that's amazing, Dana. And if there's anything else that you'd like to offer the uh, listener that's listening today, what would that be? I would say the most important thing that I came away from was you have to be strong enough to admit when you aren't strong enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that, um, had I gone to speak to someone before 
I did way too late. It would have helped me deal with things obviously so much better. I don't think I would have lost myself so deeply. I was very, very lost in such a dark, dark place for such a long time. Yeah. And then I have one more question for you. Sure. I'll let you go. If you were standing right now face to face with infertility, uh-huh. what would you say to infertility? You know, the first thing that pops in my mind is that Christina Aguilera song. Thank you for making me a fighter. Mm. And, you know, I found a, a soul connection with myself mm. after all of it. And I am grateful for that. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. <sighs> thank you for making me a fighter. Yeah, I would definitely say thank you. I don't think that I would be angry because I can't be angry because the person I am now, I love her. Wow. She's been through it. She's mm-hmm. been through a lot. And I wouldn't change it. Mm. Ooh. Just got to sit in that for a second. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. But if you could, if I could tell somebody, I, I love it when the ladies reach out or the men, I mean, I've actually yeah. had men reach out and you know what? I really love it that the men are reaching out because my husband is actually adding a chapter to the end of my book. Okay. That's why it's kind of on, <laughs> it's in the editing processes, but he's adding a chapter to the end of my book. So it can be from the male point of view. Or the other person who's not having to deal with actually having the procedure done to them, you know. The supportive spouse, yeah. Yeah, the supportive spouse. Thank you. And um, I think that's going to be, I can't wait to read it myself. (laughs) That's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I really really am interested in his perspective because there's some things that, you know, you can write that you really can't say out loud Mm -hmm. that could just come out so much more easily. Wow. That's going to be amazing. I look forward to the release and I can't wait. And mm-hmm. I got my fingers crossed that you don't go too crazy with the editing process. I, <laughs> I bet I could be like exciting. And then like, ah, at the same time, at the same time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's exciting. And then, and then I see all these ladies on the, on the, uh, you know, Instagram community. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if my book was out right now, I just send it to her because this is what she needs to read, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm excited. But you know what? It's going to happen right at the time that it needs to. <laughs> you know, I believe you know that what I mean? everything happens in divine yeah. timing. Yeah. I 100% Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you again, Dana, for giving me your time and just being open and vulnerable with us. Oh my gosh. Goodness. I'm not going to say sorry for us crying today because I'm not no. sorry. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. That's right. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Listening, if you want to reach out to me and ask questions, I don't find that anything is off limits. So, go ahead, reach out. Yes. And you can find Dana again on Instagram and Facebook at inconceivable underscore paint to power and her website, inconceivable paint to power.com. And it will be in the show notes for you so that you can just click and go and connect with Dana on your phone or on your laptop and you guys know how to reach me at infertility and me underscore on instagram and infertility and me at outlook.com i appreciate you for listening and for giving dana and i a slice or a piece of your day and letting us speak to you and help you feel less alone because we just don't want you guys out there silently suffering and so i thank you for your time dana and i thank you for listening. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you.